The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Welcome once again to Game from the Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me via virtual distancing. We have none other than our senior correspondent, Charles Saladino. Hello, fun seekers. We have none other than fishy sarcasms, Dominic Definition Man Serrano. You wait to pay, sad seekers. <laughs> <laughs> so on this week's show, where's my list? On this week's show, we have another Jay Burnley segment. Um, I... Mark, interview co-founder and CEO of Zoop Collective LLC, Jordan Plosky, and I, Mark, sent a separate interview, interview a creator of the Gallows Man, uh, Brandon Ingram. Before we do any of that, let's take it away with the news. It's morphin' time! This is brought to you in part by the fine folks of Sci-Fi.Radio. That's Sci-Fi for your Wi-Fi. As well as the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, which we are the official radio show of celebrating over 26 years of comic and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. Uh, their next convention is scheduled for December the 17th. It is the Big Apple Christmas Con. And tickets, I believe, are on sale right now. So if you have a foresight to go to see a convention in December, you get the tickets now before summer officially starts. We give our shout-outs to our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday, Famous Dresden Media, Wunjikun, Shadow Rabbit Art, Yasin Ray, and Rosa. If you want to get your own little shout-out, go to our website, www.campfrey.com. There's a little button on there that takes you right to our Patreon page, and just for a dollar a month, you can get a shout-out on our show. Whew. All right, so let's see what we got. Um, we have two bits of sad news, as we always start off with the sad news. Let's hit those first. Voice actor Billy Kemetz, K-A-M-E-T-Z, died recently of stage four colon cancer. Uh, if you are an anime or video game fan, you've heard his work on such shows slash games as Sword Guy, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable, Bea Blast, Burst Turbo, Baki, Konosuba, Hunter x Hunter, The Last Mission, The Rising of Shield Hero, Agretesuku, um, welcome to Demon School. Ir- All right. Welcome to Demon School. Iruma Kun, Demon Slayer, Kimisutu no Yaitaibai, uh, B Stars, Attack on a Titan, Resident Evil, Infinite Darkness, Blaze Blue, Cross Tag Battle, Fire Emblem, The Three Houses, uh, Person Persona Five Royal, Thirteen Sentinels, Aegeus Rim, and Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. Just name a few. He was a young 35 years old. Wow. Um, I have to say, I'm not much of an anime fan. I do watch a couple of things, but um, if you are uh, familiar with his work, I've seen lots of uh, clips on YouTube with him in interviews. A very nice guy. It's just uh, it's such a young age. And he, had a, he had a pass away. Uh, Dominic, are you an anime fan? No. 
I know a senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino, is not an anime fan. No, I've I've felt like anime was just going too deep into fandom. Ah, uh, you know, I have my uh, my hypothesis on fandom and the, the levels and the levels and like when you start getting into anime, man, you're you're becoming quite entrenched and somewhat antisocial. <laughs> Wow, that's, that's, that's all right. Never, we're just gonna move on. <laughs> I don't mean like like. Oh yeah, I've seen some anime, like like people who get deep deep into anime, like that the anime that you're you're talking that this man did. Like no, uh, that, that's deep. Okay. Um, so for the second, it's sad bit, though. Yes, so the second bit, which is uh, the last bit of sad news we have, actor Philip Baker Hall also died recently from emphysema. Uh, Philip was one of those that guy actors with a few standout roles, appearing in such films and TV shows as, here we go, Coma, Dream On, The Last Reunion, Midnight Run, Say Anything, Ghostbusters Part 2, Kiss of Death, Eye for an Eye, Air Force One, Sour Grapes, The Truman Show, Rush Hour, Psycho, The Credible Rock, The Insider, Magnolia, The Talented Mr. Ripley, Rules of Engagement, The Contender, Gentleman's Games, Bruce Almighty, The Matador, The Amityville Horror, The Shaggy Dog, Fired Up, Mr. Popper's Penguins, Bending the Rules, Play It Cool, The Hostage Heart, Kill Me If You Can, Terror Out of the Sky, This House Possessed, Games Mother Never Taught You, A Cry for Help, The Tracy Thurman Story, Falcon Crest, Without Warning, Michael Hayes, Witness of the Mob, The Loop, Modern Family, Ruth and Erica, and Messiah, just to name a few. Of course, uh, since my uh, co-hosts uh, are Seinfeld fans, they may remember him best as Lieutenant Joe Bookman in two episodes of the NBC series Seinfeld. Don who, did, who did he play? He in played uh, Bookman, the, the guy who was going after the the, the library cop. Oh my God! We were just talking about him the other day. How brilliant yeah. he was! Yeah. Well, let me oh tell you something, God. Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah. You were your you were your wee wees and your pee pees. Mm-hmm. Oh man. But maybe that's how you weirdos get your kicks. I did not know how they kept a straight face when he was doing those bits. I don't know. Because um, so anyway. were you familiar with his uh, work in any other place? Like, do you recognize? Oh, he's that guy. He's that guy. Yeah. Well, now that now I know who he is, I had no clue until you said uh, Bookman. Yeah, I figured that would be the uh, the, the kicker. But um, I've seen him yeah. around, and I'm like, oh, I know that guy. I know. I've seen him here. I've seen him there. I've seen him there. Yeah. And so he was a, a yeah. spry ninety years old. I wow. get him confused with the uh, with another actor. You know how like some people would get Roger Moore and Sean Connery confused, or Robert De Niro and Al Pacino confused with each right. other. I get him confused, and I thought he died already um, with an actor, Seymour uh, Castle, who was in uh, the Royal Tenenbaums and had done a lot of uh, was another that guy actor, right? For whatever reason, they yeah. kind of like looked the same to me, and and like were that sort of, I don't know, visual. They're probably up for the same roles. Probably they probably were up for the same roles, um, and like that gentleman was uh, born in 1935, died in 2019, so they're almost like a very similar age as well. Right. Yeah. So that's it for the sad news. So let's move on to the not as sad news uh, from the. That's a lot of nuts. Department. The new Jurassic Park sequel has taken the number one spot in the domestic box office, pulling in $145 million in ticket sales in its very first week of release, knocking off Top Gun from its two-week reign, making an additional $51 million. Rosie keeping track, the new Doctor Strange film is still the highest-grossing film of 2022, with $389 million, 
followed by the aforementioned Top Gun with $395 million. Jurassic Park comes in at number seven. Um, I think we mentioned that I think Top Gun is going to be the winner for the year. I don't see any other movie to to take that spot. And uh, I know our senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino, actually saw Jurassic Park. So what did you think of the film? Um, well, unlike the critics, I thought it was pretty damn good. I thought, um, in other words, my view on the whole thing was I don't ever have to see another Jurassic Park <laughs> again. That was the perfect ending to the franchise. And if they do another one, I refuse to go see it because I'm totally happy with this one. And, right. and uh, I thought um, the action scenes were great. I thought it was a brilliant, um, brilliant writing where there was three separate stories going on and all about the main story. And it all meets, it all meets together at the ending. And it was was pretty damn good. Dominic, Jurassic Park, yes, no? I haven't seen it, um, but I'm going to crush Charlie's hopes and if we and say if we've learned anything from Days of Future Past, they will most definitely make more if they think they can make money. <laughs> oh yeah. It's the a, search for more money, beating a dead yeah. Tyrannosaurus. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Pretty much. They just keep yeah. if they People want to see big giant lizards. They're going to go make more movies about big giant lizards. Yeah. And yes, I know they weren't giant lizards, but yeah. So for me, I've never seen any of the Jurassic Park films, and I refuse to do so on the fact that I'm not a fan of dinosaurs unless they fly and or breathe fire. Well, you got flying. No. You got flying. uh... Yeah, but they don't breathe fire. Yeah, they have to fly and breathe fire. Uh, Okay. So I'm like, so like weird... that reminds me of yeah. Remind me of Herman's criteria for a great <laughs> horror movie. I, I said, Herman, what do you think a good good horror movie is? And without skipping a beat, he said, Nine Girls and a Monster. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean. And then and that was like, you know, it has to breed fire and all right. Yeah, that's that was that was the thing. So basically, yeah. you don't I, want to see dinosaurs; you want to see dragons, sir. No, I want to yeah. see Godzilla or Dinobots, you know, stuff like that, that kind of that kind of stuff. But that was young Mark, and young Mark's like, "All right, future Mark, would you, you don't need to worry about it." Would you even Would you even consider seeing Jurassic Park if you're up late at night and can't sleep, and that's on? Nah, nah. Oh God, your oh. criteria of movies <laughs> that you will and won't watch. <laughs> <laughs> is just like I could see like you saw it once and like you saw the original Jurassic Park like uh, that was terrible I don't need to see any more of them right but, right you know you and yet at the that. same time you're like I'll watch Fast and the Furious so that's actually funny that you mentioned that so the Fast and the Furious was one of those things that I was like I'm not going to watch there's actually one of the exceptions to many rules that I have of movie watching so I wasn't going to watch it. I had no intention of watching any of them. They brought it back and, you know, they made, I think, what, four and five. And five came along and my friends really wanted to hang out and go see a movie. And as you know, I get to see movies for free. So I have my connections. Mm-hmm. And that was the only movie we all could agree on. I'm like, I don't know about this. I don't know what's going on with the other ones. I don't know if I want to see it. And I'm like, yeah, let's go see it. And I saw it. And it was one with uh, The Rock and, um, and uh, Vin Diesel fighting. I'm like, hey, this is pretty good. So then from then on, I started watching them. 
as they gotten worse and worse. I'm like, man, I shouldn't have never watched that fifth one. But I'm never going to go back to see the other ones. It's just a lost cause. You see, with me, I completely loathe zombie movies. But I I watched Night of the Living Dead. I watched others. I watched um, Resident Evil. And uh, there's just so many. I mean, I could just take so much of that. Because at one time, and still, every movie and its mother was a zombie movie. <laughs> and I, I just don't like them. Um, you know, but I, I do not leave them out. In other words, people say, oh, you got to see this zombie movie. Like, I have never seen The Walking Dead. You know, and uh, not that I didn't want to. It just never interests me. You know, that's fair enough. You know, but that's why I'm saying you got to at least give Jurassic Park a look at. Yeah, he's not going to like. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah well, you know when that yeah. when that left my mouth, I knew I. Really <laughs> enjoyed it. Yeah, so, there's like just certain things I know not to even attempt to try. And yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. And <laughs> if he makes up his mind, he doesn't want to see a movie. He's never going to see it. He's never going to see that movie. Free. It might be it might be on my list, you know, like uh, Earth Girls are easy. Speaking of Jeff Goldblum connection, I had wanted to see that for years, and it took me like twenty something years to see it, but I finally got to see it. So you never that, know; it could be on the list. There, there should it should never take twenty years to see a film <laughs> in today's day and age, Mark. It just shouldn't. That's like just, if you want to see a movie, just write it down and remember, I'm going to go watch this movie. It literally, with all the <laughs> streaming platforms that are available to man. This shouldn't oh be my that God, hard. Yeah. So yeah. moving on. <laughs> we have this last one to get to before we run out of time. Uh, from the it's not bad enough to be good department, speaking of horror films and zombie films and whatnot, um, despite a quote unquote disappointing opening weekend of just $39 million and the fact that with a budget of $80 million, the film was considered a flop, none other than Sony had decided to re-release, quote-unquote, the Jared Leto Morbius film for a second time due to its, quote, social media trending and the fans calling for a sequel. It turns out they re-released it, and the film flopped again, pulling in only an additional $310,000 during its June release. You know, there's there's an old saying, you know, and and it's like, I don't know, it, it's like, you know, trick me once, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna trick me oh, twice. Fool, I'm fool an me idiot. Once, me I'm once, an idiot. Shame, shame yeah. on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Yeah. 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 Something like that. But definitely, like, and and you know what you. You, uh, I didn't hear you. you. You blacked out. What was the name of the movie? Morbus, Morbius, the, the um, Jared Little vampire Marvel film. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, wow. I think there that's you. hilarious. That I the, think it's the, hysterical. The company was like, social media is the key. Look at all these uh, interesting things that's trending about our movie that flopped. Maybe if we put I, it back in, it's going to make more money. And then nobody went to see it. 
Did like anyone actually read the <laughs> the Facebook posts and tweets about no, it? Like, no, they didn't. They just they just no, saw they that just, it was it's trending. trending. It's trending because people are probably like, "This is a terrible movie. Don't go see it." <laughs> but like, it, like, I don't know when people are going to realize like social media is not real except ours. Go check yeah, out. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> go check out. It's <laughs> they a... came from the radio on Facebook and Twitter. Twitter, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it's not real. It's not you can have one person with ten accounts, twenty accounts making up these numbers. Like people it's it's so manipulated and fake that you know why I don't know. It just reminds me of what Jerry Seinfeld once said about entertainment executives, that entertainment's just not their field. <laughs> well, obviously yeah. neither is social media because no. I, I, I can imagine that the guy who no longer has a job at Sony was like, Oh my god. Look at this. Look at all these numbers for this movie. It we must put it out. I'm like, I don't know, Bob. I don't know about this. Like, no, look, look at the numbers. It's great. It's gonna be the mm-hmm. next big thing. It's gonna be the only one I could think of, uh, off the top of my head would be Shrek. Shrek was one of the few movies out there, the original Shrek, mm-hmm. that did better the second weekend than it did the first weekend because it came out and then it was just word of mouth. Everybody was just talking about it. this is before social media. And people want to see it the second week, so they actually made more money the second week. Or even um, uh, Avatar, the um, the yes. James Cameron, because of the first week, it was actually had a snowstorm on the East Coast, and they were blaming that for the low numbers because it was like one of the biggest budget movies of all time, the 3D, blah blah blah. And then it came back up the second week, and they're like, see, we told you. So this guy, it's like, yeah, social media, and three hundred and ten thousand yeah. dollars. <laughs> Yeah, let's spend more money to be a bigger failure. Um, (laughs) I remember back in the day, uh, that could possibly happen. I mean, there wasn't social media, but when you had a a television sitcom, um, you can air it for the season and it would do, it would suck. It would do bad in the Nielsen's, but there was a thing called the summer reruns. So yeah. I there was, reruns. yeah, yeah. So um, you have a show like a, a prime example, the quintessential example is all in the family. Mm. It, it became a hit on the, in the summer because I don't know what it was up against um, a great show. I don't know what it was up against laughing or at the time. I don't remember the show, but nobody was watching all in the family. And then all of a sudden the reruns started. So they went to that show instead of watching what they ordered. And it became a major, major, an iconic, you know, you know, yeah. thing. Yeah. So we're almost out of time. So some of the reruns yeah. used to be able to sometimes could save a show. Yeah. 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 If something if something sucks now, there's no hope for it. That's I, no. I can't wait. I can't wait to see the executives for Skyline say, "Hey, let's go with social media. This will be a hit." We have less than a minute to go, so tell me, definition Mr. Brown, do you have any final thoughts for our news segment? Uh, yeah, uh, social media is not a re- is not reality. Senior correspondent Charles Salzino, take us home. Uh yeah, just everybody be nice to everybody. We all live in the same place. <laughs> So with that, we're going to take our break, and we'll be right back with a game from the radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. 
If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. My neural net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio. sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to Came From The Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me via virtual distancing. None, I have none other than um, the Gallows Man's creator, Brandon Ingram. Say hi, Brandon. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, thank you for showing up. That's always important when we're talking about, uh, about to, with, and about somebody is that they show up. It makes things so much easier. <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, I guess uh, we'll just go right to it and tell us just a little bit about the uh, Gallows Man. And I've actually, uh, you were kind enough to send me the, um, the comic and I got to check out the Kickstarter campaign. So I immediately, before you even do that, I want to say it's really funny and dark at the same time. So tell us a little bit more about that. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, the, the Gallows Man, basically what it's about, like a premise of the whole miniseries itself is it's set in the 1940s in a satirically over the top and campy world of superheroes. Within that world of superheroes, you have the Gallows Man and his team. And they must take out this Nazi threat that has infiltrated their city, not only to save the city, but to avenge the death of the gallows man's former mentor. And I've always described the tone, basically my elevator pitch of it is take the 1960s Adam West Batman show, the fun campiness of that, and then mix in some Quentin Tarantino violence and gore, and you have the gallows man. That is a very good description of the book, uh, the book's tone, at least. (laughs) Um, so I guess my question, my first question is, how did you decide to mix those two genres and how difficult was it to mix those two genres? Uh, surprisingly not that difficult. I, I, I wrote the, this was originally a screenplay and I wrote it back in late 2017, early 2018. And I just wanted to write something different. I've always loved superheroes and I've always I've liked writing for a while, but I wanted a different superhero story. Like, like superheroes were huge. I mean, the next year after I wrote this, you had Infinity War come out. So it was during, during a big boom with superhero comics and movies. And I just wanted a little something that was different, especially for the comics at the time, because nothing wrong with this. But at the time and still today, comics are very dark and very serious, at least with the big two, with Marvel and DC. Um, there, there are some fun comics, some comedy comics in there, but you have to search and dig to find those. So it's kind of just wanting to just write a, a fun comic. You, you can read into it and dig into maybe social commentary about desensitization of violence and stuff within The Gallows Man, but you don't have to do that. Ultimately, you can read it and just have fun, have a good time, because there's so much stuff just going on in this world where it's like, you need a breather sometimes. Now, when you decided to make it as a screenplay, that was, you had intended to make it as a television series or a movie? A movie. Yeah, I was planning for a movie, like a a, a B-budget movie, basically. 
And did you have like a cast in mind? Did you have like actors that you thought that you uh, created them afterwards or you just wrote it and hope for the best? Uh, there, there were like, as I was writing, like dream uh, uh, celebrities or cast members to do. Like if, if, if I could have a time machine and have this actor play Gallows Man, I would have the guy that voices Joe from Family Guy, and he also plays the Tick. Patrick Warburton, and, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have him be the Gallows Man if I could go back maybe 10 years for him. And then uh, for, like, making the movie or directing the movie, like Robert Rodriguez or I can't remember the guy's name, the guy that made Psycho Gore Man. It's a, a B a B movie horror movie. I've never um, heard of this really, movie. <laughs> it's it's over the top and funny and silly, and it's such a good time. So, was it the because of the pandemic that you decided to turn it into a comic book, or is it just another stepping stone to finally get it to making it into a uh, movie? Uh well, ultimately, I, I would love for it to be a movie one day, but I ultimately just wanted to see it in some sort of media, and at the time. I was writing comics, but I was writing horror comics for like a, a horror anthology series that will one day uh, see the light of day. But as I was doing both of them, writing horror comics and, and writing this superhero screenplay, I was like, why don't I or why can't I just edit this into a comic script, like a mini series comic script? And that's ultimately what wound up happening. Okay. So. When you came up with this idea, now they always say that you should write what you know. How much do you know about Nazis and hanging people when you say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that is the thing. Like when you you see it, like on on the surface level, it, it is it, it can turn some people off. But when you're actually reading it, like like context within the book, it it's spoiler alert for all the viewers out there all the listeners out there the nazis get their comeuppance it's a spoiler alert for the whole <laughs> series i don't know if you knew this but the nazis will get their comeuppance in this i had uh, now you ruined it for me because i thought the <laughs> nazis were gonna win <laughs> when did you base when you <laughs> I have to. I, um, I'm jumping around a little bit because um, I'm, I'm constantly reminded of that video that you posted for the first Kickstarter campaign, um, and the fact that you had people listening to the to the campaign. You did the pitch, and then you had about another two or three minutes of video. Oh yeah, yeah. Was that intentional, or was that something you thought up on the fly at the last minute? It it was pretty intentional because like with those trailers like people see them but like the amount of like effort and, and hiring people because I hired like a 1940s voice actor to to voice those trailers and stuff I, I put way too much effort into those actual trailers when it comes to the amount of views they actually get but I love them they're they're also like a little art piece along with the the comic itself but yeah those little things where basically the trailer's done halfway through, like basically an ad for the book. And then after that, I just get this 1940s voice guy to say the dumbest, most random stuff. Because I was ultimately thinking like, okay, at least with the first trailer, I 
when hiring this guy, you're paying him by the amount of words. And it, usually it's like every 50 words, you're, you're paying a different amount. And so I got done and I still had like over 50 words left. I was like, I'm not just going to make these go to waste. So I got with a, a buddy of mine and I was like, hey, what is some dumb over the top stuff you would like to hear a 1940s voice actor say? Me and you, let's come up with it right now. And that's how you got all that stuff. I got the the 1940s radio voice actor to say stuff like me, mow, moo, mow, I am a cow, <laughs> like just the most random stuff. And uh, I'm so thankful that guy can tolerate my stupid <laughs> thinking, basically. So it, it definitely has a unique sense of humor. Um, did you always growing up, did you have that unique sense of humor or did you develop it as you grew older? I think it developed as I grew older. Um, yeah, around like high school, like late high school, I started like not, I I was never like a class clown or anything, but within my friend group would be joking and stuff, whether that's for good or bad. Sometimes it's like, Hey, now's not the time to be joking. But, uh, but yeah, it was one of those things that it kind of developed over time. And I, I love watching uh stand up. I'm not a stand up comedian by no means, but I love watching stand up. I like watching uh comedy sketches and different stuff like that. Sometimes watching comedic movies. So all, a bunch of stuff just kind of influenced me. One of the biggest influences is like, uh, uh, I'm forgetting his name right now uh the guy oh my goodness he's on snl and he wrote a book that is horrible uh i think there's more than one guy that was on snl that wrote a book i got it i got it okay norm mcdonald that's oh my god norm mcdonald that's one of my favorite comedians of all time rest in peace i love dirty work i I love all of norm mcdonald's work whether it's the podcast he he had at one point the 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 book he wrote the book he wrote is one of the funniest things ever it it's like a a memoir book like a a parts of it is true then other parts not so true because he's going on these wild adventures and it's like yeah he's going into like spirit realms and stuff this is obviously he's he's writing a comedic book here did you I mean, obviously i mean like i said i love dirty work it was one of my favorite movies of all time was that a huge influence on you, that movie? So out of all, I've seen a bunch of Norm MacDonald stuff. I have still yet to see Dirty Work. Oh that, that's one of the God. last things I still need to see of his. I've seen like all of his his uh, his stand-up tapes, all of those clips. I've seen uh, all his podcast episodes. I've read his book. I just need to see Dirty Work, though. That is the ultimate norm mcdonald movie like if you watch yeah. it oh my god and then you can see like the influences that that movie had on his other stuff like when he had the tv show yeah yeah he brought over um Artie lang from that to be his half brother in the series because that was his half brother in the uh, in the movie yeah yeah um so actually we're at uh, social media times so where can people find out more about your book more about this campaign um and more about yourself so uh find out more about stuff I'm working on, including the gallows, man. You can go on Facebook and Instagram to Disney comics. That's D I S M a Y comics. 
Um, you can follow along, see the, the work I'm doing with the Gallows Man, as well as other future comics. Um, with the Kickstarter, um, you can find that through my profile, like go to the link within the bio and stuff, or you can just go to kickstarter.com, type in the Gallows Man, and it'll pop up. So now that you've, um, is, is the book beginning, middle, and end? Like, is it a fully finished story or are you still working on it? Yes. The, the, the story itself is completely done. It's a four issue miniseries, but again, you, you read the first issue. Like it's not a standard size issue. It's not 22 pages. It's not 32 pages. Like just with the first issue, it's 49 pages of story. That's not including like extra content, uh, in the back of the book. But 49 pages of story with there. Issue two has 49 pages of story. And it's going to be a four-issue miniseries. So issues three and four will be about the same length when it comes to story. Um, but there is potential for a, a sequel miniseries as well as like a anthology uh, little series following people you only saw a little bit within the Gallows Man miniseries. I think you should screw with people and make the next issue um, 48 pages and the one after that 50 pages. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's always a chance that can happen. Um, so we're almost out of time. So um, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? Uh, ultimately, uh, check out the Kickstarter page. Uh, there's a ton of preview page, preview pages and stuff of both issues. Uh, read the descriptions and stuff. See if it's something you like. There's uh, tiers ranging from $1 to $70. So within anyone's budget, there there's a way to help support this book and yeah, help support indie comics such as mine, but also there's other indie comics out there. So ultimately support indie comics. All right. So my final thought is this. Uh, thank you once again, Brandon, uh, for coming on the show. It's a real pleasure, and I love meeting another Northern McDonald fan. So that makes you top tier, one of my top tier guests. Thank you. Higher than even William Shatner, right there. Because I don't think William That's Shatner awesome. is a Norm McDonald fan. So I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> um, much, much success with the campaign. And when the next book comes out, come back on and we can talk more. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, man. So with that, we're going to take our break and we'll be right back with the Came from the Radio. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jaybird and Lee, and we have another another visit from Riley, our big-time special guest. Hello. What's happening, Holla. 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 Did you ever go, wasab? Wasabi. Wasabi. Saki. I don't know. What, what are you talking about, Saki? Saki, you know, from Habachi. Oh, okay. You don't even drink Saki. You do. No, I don't. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're funny. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about the Monster Truck Rally. Monster Truck Rally, which you went to um, pretty recently. Yeah. What, um, do you like monster trucks? Yeah. 
We went to UBS uh, Arena. Arena, which is in Belmont. And we got VIPs. We got VIPs. Very important person, peeps. That's right. Very important people. We got that thanks to one of our friends, right? Yeah, Daniel and Jamie. Yeah, they, uh, good shout out for those guys, right? Yeah. They hooked us up. Well, let me uh, ask you a question about monster trucks. Okay. Who was your favorite monster truck guy? Um, I like Grave Digger. Grave Digger? Yeah. And that was the girl, right? I yeah. forgot her name. Who I don't know her name. Drove it. You didn't like El Toro? Was it El Toro? Oh, El Toro Loco. Yeah, that was good too. Yeah, that was pretty good. And they did all these flips and stuff. Yeah. But it was kind of like crazy because you waited like every five, like five minutes after every stunt, right? Mm-hmm. It was a long time, I think, to wait. Yeah. You don't think so? You don't, you don't think so? No. Wait, what do you mean wait? Though? Well, they did their flip. One oh. car did a flip. And then they had to drive off back into the garage or whatever. And then the other guy had to come. And it took us a while. Well, it took them like one minute between everything. Yeah, there was also that soldier one. Do you remember what his Sar- name Soldier uh, Fortune Black Ops. Soldier Fortune Black Ops. Okay, those trucks were pretty cool. Yeah, but, one, but I didn't like a couple of them. I forgot what of them. But all I know is like Ramunator and Ramunition. Ramunition? And Ramunator. It was an Eliminator or something? No. Oh, okay, all right. That I didn't like them because they're just both Rams. They're just adding stuff to the Ram. <laughs> like Riley Nader? No. Leonator? Yeah. No. no. Yeah, basically like that, except it's a truck. Oh, all right. Well, did you like... I mean, how those tires are pretty big, right? Oh, yeah, they're pretty big. Did you feel like you were getting smoked out because of all the gas? I didn't. You didn't, you, you didn't smell anything? No, did you? Yeah, I smelled all the gas that they were... No, chipping. the only thing that was bothering me was the noise. Yeah, you had a lot of noise. Right? I had to get earplugs. That's right. I had to find earplugs for you. That was hard. I had to, like, go find some lady to, like, you know, hey, do you have earplugs? What about that lady who kept on going over it to us? That old lady. No, she didn't have it. The waitress? Yeah. No. <laughs> uh. But and along the lines of that, since we got the VIP treatment and one, you know, you got the food. Oh, that was probably the best part of that place. Would there you... was like a whole like cafe of deliciousness, except it wasn't a cafe. It had empanadas, hot dogs, um, nachos. Chicken fingers. Right? Yeah, Waffles. mac and cheese, pizza, bread. Oh, that's right, pizza bread. They had uh, breakfast, didn't they? Have like um, they had waffles and French toast. Waffles and French toast and ice cream. Yeah, but I didn't get ice cream because I was too full eating all the empanadas. <laughs> Which empanada did you like? I like the chicken one better than the beef. What did you try? Like twenty different types of food. Yeah, I tried at least twenty. They had pasta too, right? I know. I, no pasta. No, I didn't try that. I only tried the mac and cheese. No, oh, the mac and well, that is kind of pasta. Except it has cheese on it. Most pastas have cheese in it. Not all. Not all. Yeah, right. Not all. Okay. Okay. Fine. And then there was like the pizza. It was okay. And then, well, the nachos. That was good. Nacho cheese, bro. <laughs> yeah, nacho cheese. That's right. You had a lot of... The chips were good. Oh, those were delicious. But the cookies were not good. You didn't like the cookies, but the brownies? Did they have brownies? No. Nah. They had cannolis. They had little mini cannolis. I don't think you saw that. That was good. Oh, also, there was this weird... I th- We got this like... Cup it had all this candy. There's a little shop and there's all this candy and you can just put it in this cup. Yeah. And like it could be toppings or you could just eat it. Alright, so what was your favorite part? The food or the actual monster trucks? Well, come on, we're on the radio. You gotta speak. Um, 
um, <laughs> I don't know, because they're both very, very good, except the food was a little more. So I say 51% food, 49% the whole the monster trucks. So would you go to monster truck again? Yeah. Oh, if they have the food? Yeah. Oh, man. All right. You're in trouble, I think, because you, that's just the VIP treatment. We're not going to get that very often. No. Oh. Uh, well, we could get nachos. That's true. We could go get nachos. We could probably get them at the at one of the stands. And ice cream. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, I'm glad that you liked Monster Trucks and you liked uh, the food a little bit better. Yeah. Um, until next time? Yep. Until right. next time. Stay safe. Stay connected. Bye. Bye. Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the Comic Book School may just have the answer to your questions. Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to It Came From Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. I am honored to be here with um, Zoop. What would be your title? Co-founder, co-creator? Uh, you're the guy in the trenches. What would be your actual title? Yeah, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Zoop. Co-founder and CEO of Zoop Collective, LLC, Jordan Plosky. Say hi, Jordan. Hi, Jordan. <laughs> so um, I guess the first question I have in mind is why the name Zoop? <laughs> Yeah, so I know we only have a little bit of time. I'll, I'll keep it quick. Um, Zoop came from the Flash TV show. Um, I, I heard Kevin Smith on a podcast describing uh, he, was, he was looking through a, a Flash script that he was directing. And he saw the word Barry Zoops in, Barry Zoops out. And it was just the word that you know, the team had used to describe like when they used CGI for him to run into a scene as the Flash and run off screen as the Flash. And I just like the word. And, and it's really you know, a geeky deep dive, perfect for this. And also it could be anything and nothing. You know, we're starting, uh, we're a company starting in crowdfunding, but sky's the limit. So it was just a word that I liked, but it sounded catchy. And if you did the due diligence, you'll know it, 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 it's got a really uh, close to the heart, nerdy background. It does have um, like the classic Batman 66, the pal, the zap, the wow. Um, and it yeah. is catchy. It, I, I instantly, I was like, wow, that's an interesting title. Where does it come from? Thank you. So um, I guess the second question is, how did Zoop come to be, seeing as how um, I, I, w- I would liken Zoop to be, based on my little research that I've done, I guess in the old days when we only had three channels, ABC, CBS, and <laughs> NBC, uh, Zoop would kind of be like, like Fox or maybe like Image Comics. So what exactly is Zoop and how does that go into the big two, which is crowdfunding of Kickstarter and Indiegogo? I really like that comparison, yeah. Um and you know what? Fox was the cool new thing with the Simpsons and, and all these like amazing new hip shows. So I feel like that's a really good comparison. Um, yeah, my co-founder, uh, Eric Moss and I, um, we kind of we, we knew each other from the from the comics industry for a bit and kind of reconnected throughout the pandemic when comic stores were closing. Diamond went down and this is before Lunar and Penguin, um, you know, started distributing books, too. So there was not a lot of comics coming out. DC was bought by AT&T or excuse me, Warner Brothers was bought by AT&T and they were slashing their, their output, their publishing output. So what all this meant was less, less work, less opportunities for creators. Now, simultaneously, crowdfunding and e-commerce were exploding, especially in comics. So we saw 
that as an opportunity. But, you know, like Kickstarter has been fantastic. It's been great, but it's on 10 year old technology. There's new updates. There's new things that, that both backers and creators are looking for. And that's where we, we thought that we could sort of plug those holes and solve some of those problems. And that, that, that was really the genesis of Zoop. Do you think that, but for the pandemic, this would not have happened? Probably not. Honestly, you know, like taking it out of the world of comics for a minute, I was just, this is my second startup, by the way. I had another startup called Comic Blitz, which was sort of a competitor to Comixology Unlimited. Uh, We got bought in 2018. And when the pandemic hit, just mentally, I was looking for something to keep me busy. (laughs) I'll be honest with you, (laughs) you know, just to to stay positive and focus on something aside from everything that was terrible in the world at that time. So that's really why uh, it happened. So with my little homework, um, since you are a drummer, drumming was not the option, just banging on the drums all day. There wasn't an option anymore. You know what? I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't going to like a rehearsal studio. (laughs) You know, I I didn't want to see anybody. We we really were hermits. So yeah, I mean, this was something that you can do remotely. Like, you know, I'm, I live in LA. Eric lives in San Diego. Our CTO, who's our third partner, Marvin lives in Germany. So we're a completely remote team. And this is something that, you know, we've built without ever really being in touch physically. Is that weird nowadays to do something like this? I mean, I know comics in the old days, you had to be all together, but now even, even 10, 15 years ago, people are reaching out to people overseas to make comics who've never met. Is that something that's in a business world, something that you've never met these guys and you're, you're creating something new and different? Um, well, no, because, you know, my last startup, that was the same thing. You know, I, I met my, my co-founder there just through an internet website, you know, people who were interested in startups and tech and, and geek stuff. And it was kind of the same story here. Um, like I said, Eric, I had known from the comic industry. So that was a little bit different. But realistically, I think in the world of business, if you're not working either remotely or hybrid, then you're behind the times. I think this is really a new model and should be embraced. I think every employee would love to work from home or at least have that option to work from home. So, yeah, I think this is this model is here to stay, you know, it, in in some some regards. Okay, so I guess let's get down to the nitty gritty of of Zoop. Um, one of the biggest things I've noticed is that um, on on the website it says that you guys do everything. So can you break down what is everything for a Kickstarter for a crowdfunding campaign? Sure, and let, let me let me preface that. So we we kind of offer two models. Uh, one one model is our sort of you know apples to apples uh, comparative to Kickstarter and Indiegogo, where we're the platform and we handle credit card processing fees. We also, you know, something that those sites don't typically offer every campaign. We offer a level of support. We promote every single campaign because we have a smaller selection. So it's easy for us to love every project that we have on our platform, as opposed to having to fight the algorithm to be on the homepage for a day or two. Every, every project that we have, we support, we promote, and th- there's a human being for people to talk to. That's something that isn't available on the other platforms. Um, so that's the, ba- that's the base model. Now, we also have sort of a concierge model that we've worked with before. You know, we just finished up a, a $200,000 plus campaign with Nick Patara, for example. Um, he's one of the co-creators of the Manhattan Projects with Jonathan Hickman. Um, you know, done Image Comics, worked for the big two and, 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 you know, Image, IDW, et cetera. And, you know, something like that, when I say that we handle everything, that's campaign management, that's marketing, that's printing and fulfillment management services. So we use third parties for printing and for, for fulfillment, um, but we oversee 
basically the entire project from start to finish because a guy like Nick Pitara, for example, or, um, you know, we, we did a project with Ron Mars, Andy Lanning and Rick Leonardi. These guys don't want to package books, you know, that the, they are used to working with a publisher who's going to take care of the printing of, of everything for them. So that's kind of where we come in. And these are guys who are potentially, you know, thinking about crowdfunding, maybe thinking it's a bit too daunting to handle all that. Maybe they're like, well, then if I run this campaign and handle fulfillment and deal with the printers, I'm not going to be able to, you know, do my freelance work and write or draw, you know, and make money that way. So with this model where we handle all that for them, it allows them to continue their freelance work while simultaneously, you know, running a campaign through us. Hmm. So in a way, you're sort of, at least partially, a publishing company, but we, not really. <laughs> I, yeah, we're a pseudo publisher, right? <laughs> so, I, I mean, the crowdfunding sort of helps with the funds, right? So we're not providing, um, you know, upfront advances to anybody. We don't provide editorial, but in, in a kind of crazy way, that's a good thing. Because that means, and also we're not going through diamond or distributors. So we don't have to answer to retailers. We don't have to answer to a distributor. This is content that, that the content that you get through crowdfunding and Zoop is exactly what these creators want to put out. It's not filtered through anybody. There's no one telling them what they can or can't do. And I think that those creators actually appreciate that freedom of being able to put out exactly what it is that they want to put out. Now, is there a, I guess, a requirement or like a, a, a love, a hooey, pardon me, a level or a bar where you're like, we don't like this, but we'll still put it out. We'll still let you go on our site or like, oh, we just don't want this. And you handpick items that come to you. Um, we are not the arbiters of what is good or not. You know, it, th- that's subjective. Something that I might see that, that I love, someone else could be like, Jordan, that's, that's garbage, man. What are you, what are you talking about? You know, and vice versa. I could see something that I don't like somebody else likes. So we take that out of the equation, but the important thing that we feel when you come to Zoop, and this is really a tip for anybody looking to crowdfund is, do you have an email list? Do you have a newsletter? Do you have a following already? You are not going to build your following because you did a crowdfunding campaign. You have to build up that following before the crowdfunding campaign and just like other platforms, we'll be able to enhance that following and that, and that backer list and that supporter you know, number. But n- we, just like Kickstarter or Indiegogo, we're not responsible for bringing you, you know, 150 backers for a successful campaign. So the good thing is, like I mentioned before, we have that level of support where you have a human being to talk to. And we, we talk people through that, like, hey, you need to gather emails before you launch your campaign that is going to greatly impact your success um, of your campaign, you know, and and some first timers, some people maybe don't understand that you, the creator have to bring the crowd to crowdfunding, (laughs) but, but at least with Zoop, you have someone to talk to and bounce those ideas off and realistically give yourself the best shot at succeeding versus throwing up a campaign on Kickstarter without ever, ever having done any sort of promotion and thinking that Kickstarter is just going to, you know, fund your project for you. That's not how it goes. Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the uh, the company Kiva, but that's kind of the same thing. They're a crowdfunding loan place where you crowdfund a loan and then you pay it back. And but it's it's really uh, one of the wonderful things about it is that it's uh, it's all free to do, but you still have to do the work. And they, you know, they help you out. They they work with you, but it's all on you to raise the money. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know Kiva, but um, yeah, I mean, it sounds sounds like a similar uh, 
perspective on on the process. So were you just, I guess you actually were just sitting and thought of this, hey, this is such a great idea, or were you thinking about this for a long time, like there has to be a way, and then the pandemic created the opportunity to come up with this? You know, I haven't told many people this, but my my initial thought for another business after I'd sold my last one was um, more of a charity type business. I don't know if you're familiar with Omaze. Yes. You know, doing something more similar to that. Um, but when I was talking with uh, my co-founder from Zoop, Eric, um, he was talking, you know, this was during the pandemic. He He was with IDW and Cryptozoic Entertainment, and he was saying about how he was going to put, he was thinking about going into consulting um, for crowdfunding. And because of my background in, you know, having formed a successful startup before and selling it, I was just like, you know what, forget being reliant on Kickstarter and like tacking onto them. Why don't we just build our own platform and do it the way we want with no handcuffs or restrictions. And that's really what we did. So it was really, it was really because of the discussions I was having with Eric, that that's where we came up with what the model was going to be. Oh, cool. So um, you actually, let me, you mentioned algorithms uh, earlier in the, in the, in the interview. <laughs> um, does, how does the, your algorithm works if, what, without giving away trade secrets? Um, is it better than Kickstarter? And does uh, Kickstarter, as far as I know, like the algorithms, the algorithms only kick in like the first week and then the last week of the campaign? Is that your, your algorithms work throughout the entire campaign? So the, I mean, we don't have algorithms because there's no competing for that front space. You know, know. so it like what I what I have noticed is like most most of the times if you don't fund your campaign in like the first day or so on Kickstarter, that's a pretty good indicator that you're not going to (laughs) fund. But it's different with us. We've we've seen, you know, like I mean, people are still learning about us, and people are still migrating over and and you know signing up for accounts and letting us you know charge their credit cards and stuff. So some of these campaigns we've seen huge like last day rushes or huge like final 48 hour rushes where, you know, we've done thousands of dollars for a campaign in the last day. Um, you know, and, and some of our campaigns have just trudged along every single day, a few, a few pledges, a few pledges, a few pledges every single day. But like, if you saw something like that on Kickstarter, you'd be really worried. But with <laughs> us, it, it's, it's fine. You know, it, it, it's, there's a difference again, because you're not fighting the algorithm. You're not competing with 150 other live comic book campaigns at once. You know, maybe we have four or five live at a time at the moment. So everybody's getting some love. Everybody's getting featured. Everybody's getting homepage, you know, coverage. So, and again, you know, we, we send out email blasts to our entire user base. We do marketing uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, about all of our live campaigns multiple times a day, every single day. You can't say that about Kickstarter. That's just true. All right. So we're almost out of time. So I guess social media time, where can people find out more about stuff and people who want to know about drumming? Because I really <laughs> thought that was kind of cool. Uh, can they contact you? Yeah. So for, for anything Zoop related, we are at we are Zoop on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So all of our social media is at we are Zoop. If you want to send us an email or if you're interested in submitting a project, you can email us at hello at wearezoop.com. Uh, all the projects are live on zoop.gg. I know it's a little weird. It's not a .com. The main website is zoop.gg as in good game. All right. So we have less than a minute to go. So you have any final thoughts before we take our break? Uh, hit us up. Um, we'd love to run more campaigns with, with indie, uh, indie comic creators. and 
help bring those creations to life. So I'm, I appreciate it, Mark. Thanks for having me on. All right. So my final thought is this. Thank you for being a guest on the show. This sounds really, really cool. And I'm really excited that I heard about you guys and you guys instantly responded to me. And now we're doing an interview. So this, this gives me confidence in, in, the, in the company and the projects. So I'm very glad about that. So um, much success. And hopefully, uh, maybe uh, we're going to talk a little bit. Maybe I'll get my project on, on your uh, site. You know where to find me, Mark. Yes, sir. So with that, we're going to take our break and we'll be right back. We came from the radio. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C, K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. Now, back to our show. If you had any honor, you would listen to Sci-Fi.Radio, the sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on the Came From the Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of the show... Tough. Go to our newly revised website, www.itcamefromradio.com. The archives will be up in a week or so. Check us out on such places as btd.radio, sci-fi.radio, indievolt.com. Check us out on our places such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube page, Twitter. And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or just Google, it came from the radio. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.